the reason I got on this tangent, I was talking to someone in the life. They said, Ty, I gotta go study for my exam during community college. First of all, I'm going, don't go to community college. Think about it. Go to Harvard if you can get it, just because of the networking. But in community college, you're networking with other people like community college. Specifically, do not, no offense to anybody there. I went to community college for a teeny bit of time. You do not want to network there. One day, me and Alex are going to come up with a company called GenTech. We're going to genetically engineer humans. That's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to morph it. Every intellectual person who spends all day correcting Twitter grammar, I'm going to be like, you're a fucking idiot. You think you're intellectual, but you're actually stupid. I'm going to take every ghetto person and infuse them with 50% highbrow intellectual karma. You're just going to create amazing people. Bruce Lee's or Bruce Lee's. Isn't it? Huh? Modified. Yeah, modified humans. We do that to cars. The only argument that's valid against AI, or in this case, genetic engineering, not AI, um, is that you're messing with evolution. But we already messed with evolution. It's called hospitals, antibiotics, vaccinations, temperature controlled housing, um, in vitro fertilization. So we already mess with, it's too late for that <laughs> evolution. And what's happening is we're messing up evolution. So we have to have a counterbalance. I'm so for genetics engineering. Wouldn't you like, for example, if you had gotten infused in you, 10% of black men have this gene, they call it the super gene. It allows you to put on muscle without fat, meaning you can eat a lot, and it just purely goes in the muscle. Only 1% of Caucasians have that, by the way. For your white power. <laughs> Why so No, no, no. Let's make sure that people know that I am not for white power. No. Zach just wants white people to have more power. He's not white power. If anybody's going to have it, why not pull for... That's why I said, hey, listen, when I mean a white person that's white power, I'm like... <laughs> what are they supposed to be? Because I think you meet people that are, I'll tell you this, be suspicious of anybody who's overly denigrating their own person. And like, I live for the benefit of other people. No. And that's also not how evolution works. I'm telling you, in entrepreneurship, I meet people and they go, I've started this business purely to help the world. Oh, bullshit. I see billionaires say that. I'm like, why don't you give all your money away then? You can give your money away in one day. There's no law against wiring a random person all the money you have. So when you meet people that go, I am so, I just, I want society to be better. You lie. Humans are half altruistic. Well, I'll tell you something fascinating. You want to talk about a fascinating conversation? I read a book. It's by, it's, like literally titled something like the theory of everything. It's one of these, it's the guy that I said we need to interview for Mentorbox. Me and Alex, by the way, on Mentorbox. Shameless plug for Mentorbox. Seven Try it, seven bucks a month. Seven months, <laughs> seven dollars a month. And we have authors teach you their books. If you want to read 52 books, a book a week this year, you got two choices. Read 52 books a year, which is gonna take you about 5,200 hours if you're like most people, or at least 520 hours. Every person takes a year. 
No, it takes people ten, yeah, a year and ten hours. Average person takes about ten hours to read a book. So, if you got ten hours a week, five to ten hours a week, or you can pay us under ten bucks a month, and we'll have the authors summarize the book. Not book summaries. Book summaries suck. Don't ever buy book summaries. Who does the book summary? Some person doesn't know anything about the book. Some contractor. Some contractor from India, India is like, ah, oh, I don't even know the language. This seems good. Just have the author. We get, we have contracts with the, with the authors themselves. We're the only company that does that. I don't yes. know anybody else has yes. with the publishers and them. So we license the the content. And so anyway, mentorbox.com slash Ty is awesome. No, just <laughs> that's not a real. Just go to mentorbox.com. Even that would work. It would work. It still work. Yeah. <laughs> or I hate Zach's white power. Slash. <laughs> <laughs> um, Recurring bill. But this book I was reading, I forget the guy. I should know this, man. I concentrate on the book so much I forget the authors. But he, he won a Pulitzer Prize a couple. But he was explaining, here's why humans are annoying. And so I said, doubt anybody who acts like they're too caring about others. Because there's two parts of humans. In the Bible, for example, Zach's family was all preachers. His dad was a preacher. I don't know what happened to you, Zach. You far, fell far from the tree. Out here in Hollywood, Beelzebub land. I'll speak in tongues for the kids if you want me to. <laughs> now Zach's really getting in trouble on both sides. Right. His family's going to ban this podcast. Um, but the Bible, you know, like Paul was one of the guys in the New Testament. He writes about how there's two parts of him, you know, a part that wants to do good but does bad. Now, Alex, who's the least religious pe- person ever born on planet Earth and doesn't care about any religion, God, and never thinks of praying. He's just like <laughs> hardcore. He's not even agnostic or atheist. He's like super atheist. You need a shirt. You're like a, thus spoke Zarutra. You're like Nietzsche. God is dead. That's Alex. <laughs> anyway, so both sides of the spectrum in science, it basically confirms what Paul said. You have two sides to you. And it's because of evolution. Anybody who loved others too much got taken advantage of and their gene pool is no longer on the planet. But anybody who's too individual and too selfish, what we call wickedness is basically selfishness. Think about everything you go to prison for, okay? It's all rooted in self-love. What's this guy that just got life sentence in prison? He killed his wife. Not Peterson, that was a while ago, but this guy today in Colorado just got sentenced to four consecutive life. He killed his wife, who was pregnant, buried, and pretended it was a manhunt for her. Oh, yeah. Harry, yeah, Scott, kids, Scott or something, Scott. And he killed his two little daughters, cute daughters. I'm like, what kind of man? Kill? So he, he's considered pure evil. Like, you, you kill your two-year-old daughters. But they're looking at the root cause of it. And some of it's obviously mental illness, but he he had, was he said he was in a loveless marriage, and he had he had lovers off, and he probably wanted to get rid of his old life, and he wanted to move on and be able to say I got I don't have a family. So it was just rooted in selflessness, selfishness. Even serial killers, uh, Dahmer, even people like Charles Manson, they were doing it at a pure selfishness. What we call pure evil is just pure selfishness. So if you're too selfish, you get categorized as evil. If you're too altruistic, you get taken advantage of and taken off the planet. 
You know what interesting, and there's scientific proof for this. I just read an article Dr. David Buss sent me, one of my mentors. People too high in agreeableness, which is a hexaco four-factor personality test. Well, it's 25 factors, but agreeableness is four. People who are high in agreeableness make less money. And before there was money, there was resources. So Genghis Khan was not a highly agreeable guy. So agreeableness is the four factors is um, forgiveness, uh, flexibility, a.k.a. stubbornness. What is the other one? Flex. Gentleness. Gentleness. Yeah. And patience, maybe. Not, not patience. Anyway, I'll remember in a second. So being too nice, you control less resources. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Mark my words, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, uh, Balmer, uh, Jeff Bezos. These are ruthless guys when they need to be. Ruthless. Warren Buffett. Nicest guy in the exterior. You read between the lines. These dudes are ruthless. Like Jeff Bezos goes to a guy who owns diaper.com and he goes, sell to me. I'll give you whatever, 300 million bucks. The guy goes, no, I want to keep the company. He goes, okay, I'll put you out of business then. Fuck you. Jeff Bezos goes back to his people. He said, underpriced diapers on Amazon. They came back. They said, we'll lose $100 million a month if we price it this low. He goes, I don't care. We'll put that guy out of business. It was Genghis Khan. Now he's the richest man in the world. Bill Gates, they say, made more grown men cry than anybody. He used to come in. He had like his top guys building Microsoft Word and Excel. And he would be like, you are the stupidest fucking program. I can do this myself right now. And he would just fix it. Like, Get the fuck out of here. Like in front of like 50 executives. That grown men would cry. Men that never cried in front of other men would cry. But Bill Gates made the most millionaires in his day. People had stock options. In Microsoft, he made like whatever, 10,000 millionaires or something like that. So there's an example. What I'm trying to say is if you're not, if you're too evil, society spurns you. If you're too selfish, you're spurned. If you're too selfless, you're taken advantage of. So most humans, we are the product of multiple, well, thousands of generations of mothers and fathers who were a blend of selfish and unselfish. And that's why in society, you learn, you have to learn how to navigate people because a lot of people will take advantage of you, but if you become too skeptical and too suspicious, then you ostracize the good people. And so you have to walk this balance. Up. That's what I mean by street smart. That's what street smart is. 
How can you navigate the real world? And none of this is taught in school. Not one conversation I had with you two today, but nothing. Maybe in some minor, like Dr. David Buss's evolutionary psychology, but what's the practical application of this? Basically, the practical application is you have to be wise. Right. That's, you know, in the Bible, people ask me what I think of religion and stuff. Most important thing you can ever read is the book of Proverbs in the Bible, the Old Testament. Solomon, he was supposed to say he was the wisest person to ever live. But if you understand Solomon, that's street smart. And it's just the, it's just Proverbs. You never read Proverbs, have you? No, I was going to ask I, Alex, would you no. read Proverbs? I know there's 31 chapters in one a day. Yeah, and not all, of it, it, not all of it's practical application, but the core. You know what's the funniest thing? I got this viral video that kind of put me on the YouTube map, which was knowledge. Well, in Proverbs, he said, above all things, seek knowledge and wisdom. It's better than well, it's better than all the money in the world, and it brings you all the money in the world. That's the good book, Gary Keller, the one thing. I've recommended that book for five years now. Now I've become a New York Times bestseller for five years. And he says you gotta find the one thing to focus on that gets you everything else. The one domino. And I would say in life, the one domino is either wisdom or knowledge, but not knowledge like academic knowledge. Street smart combined with book smart. That's what wisdom is. We all know people that are book smart, but stupid. I know I've hired Ivy League people that I just had to fire. I'm thinking one in particular, just like what more I want. Just pure Ivy League degree. And I'm going, you're the stupidest person at my company. Really? The stupidest. You you have your wisdom factor. Oh, in well, in Hexaco, they call it prudence. That's not an agreeable factor. That is a conscientious factor. But huge predictor of your financial success is conscientiousness. And one of it is prudence. People got no prudence in this world. None. And I can tell you why, because this is completely taken out of schools. Schools are, there's nothing taught about how to be street smart. There's not one, for example, there's not one class in high school that I went to, I don't know if you guys did, that'd be like how to negotiate a deal. Everyone's gonna buy a house probably at one point or buy a car. How do you not get taken advantage by the car salesman or the real estate agent or the person on the other side? How do you deal with somebody if you end up with a business partner that you realize is trying to take advantage of you? How do you navigate that? That's what life is about. That's what's money about. What pe- people on the map is the richest man in the world. I promise you, Jeff Bezos is one of the street smart, most wise people out there. He's probably the wisest person alive when it comes to business wisdom. And like Solomon said in Proverbs, it brings you all the wealth in the world. And that's why I'm trying to say the artificial bubble of learning rote memory, memorize this. Like, the reason I got on this tangent, I was talking to someone in the life. They said, Ty, I got to go study for my exam. They're in community college. First of all, I'm going, don't go to community college. Just think about it. Go to Harvard if you can get in. You'll, just because of the networking. But at community college, you're networking with other people at community college. Specifically, do not, no offense to anybody there. I went to community college for a teeny bit of time. You're networking. You do not want to network there. Let's just leave it at that. As uh, Groucho Marx said, I don't want to be part of any club that will have me as a member. You want to network up, not down. So anyway, this girl goes, oh, I got I to go study for community college. So while we were talking, I said, what do you want to do? Like, what's your goal? What career? What's your dream career? I asked her. 
She couldn't answer. I said, that's the real homework. More important than anything, you're about to go memorize the War of 1812. What year was it? Uh, 1812, okay, Civil War, 1864, or 61 to 65. 60 to 65. 61 to 65, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, memorize that way after you first figure out what's your top three career choices. How about that? There's no class that you take for an entire year in high school or university called what career should you, the science of choosing your career, because there's an actual science to it, matching personality types. There's a real science. Some people think there's no science. There, you know, it's funny. Some scientists, hard science, like mathematicians used to say, there's no science of figuring out the perfect career. That is such beyond bullshit. Think how wrong academics have been wrong. I mean, how wide, 1950s, do not dare to give your babies breast milk. The Amish, who Amish drop out of school at eighth grade, right? Wisest people I know are Amish. The Amish were like, now nah, we're going to stay with breastfeeding. <laughs> we're going to stick with the breastfeeding. And they got these big, str- I got a farm, a guy who runs one of my farms, an Amish guy. This dude was breastfed. And I got people who work for me whose parents probably listened to the academics. Got little skinny guys that come with me to the farm. We were trying to pick up this. On a Monday, we had to pick up this trailer and connect it to the truck. A big trailer, like a gooseneck. Four of us, or three of us, me, Armand, and like Adam or something, we're pulling in to get it on, onto the ball of the hitch. The next day, I see David, the Amish guy, who definitely, he's like 6'3", 290-pound, big strappy. I saw him. He was doing something with one hand, and he grabbed it and pulled it with the other hand. I was like, <laughs> do not let David see that it was three of us trying to do it. But the point is, all the wisdom still wins. And if you have any wisdom, you go, Mother Nature probably knows how to feed the young. And it's breast milk would. Okay, arguing a priori and posteriori logic. This is something that's academic that I understand. So by it's almost by definition, that the humans alive now are the ones that survived through breast milk. Therefore, everyone who didn't do well on breast milk, their DNA no longer is the gene pool. So you can't fuck with breast milk. You'd have to genetically engineer humans to do better or not. That it's so the academics couldn't do that. The PhDs couldn't do that. That's I can, weird. You're right. It's just. <laughs> It's logical too. I heard the best, so me and Alex own a company called Farmer's Box, where we ship meat from the best farms in the world, okay, that you can't get in supermarkets, directly at your house, okay? Another shameless plug, farmersbox.com. 49 bucks a month, yeah. <laughs> farmersbox.com. We're testing that price right now. When you go to the website, it might be different. Might and uh, you can find me on Instagram at <laughs> Tetris God Seven. No, I changed it to Zach. Good. I'm glad right. you got a non, talk about street smarts. Let me make my name impossible to find. Tetris underscore God dot dash zero O L lowercase one. Anyway, um, but if you had any street smarts, you'll also know there's people going beyond me. I heard this thing that just cracked me up. There's a movement beyond meat. Mm-hmm. In a lab, they're going to create meat. Better. And I heard an <laughs> advocate for the meat uh, lobby 
go, we think it's cute that these people <laughs> in San Francisco think they can outsmart God or nature. Right. Really, how stupid? You ain't going to make this. Plant-based, right? Plant yeah. Is growing no, no, it's tissue. like grow. It's all that whole yeah. of it. So I, you know, this is the funny thing. So tissue cannot reproduce forever. Your cells have a natural cap on how many times it can produce, except for cancer cells. So cancer right. cells grow forever. So any tissue that grows forever in the lab, and right. you can just, it is by definition cancer. And I tell this to scientists, and I'm like, mm, you're technically right. It is tumor. So they're basically <laughs> growing tumor in the lab and selling it as meat. You can grow so much food in this country, whether it's beef, plant-based, the pro- you know, all the people in America will fit in Texas. All the people in the world fit in the state of Texas. The problem is we don't have sharp people managing the land. There's plenty of land. Trust me. I know a lot about agriculture. I've been to over 50 countries. I have over a thousand acres in sustainably uh, in sustainable agriculture. I'm 19 years old. I trained under Joel Salatin. Been in Time Magazine. Probably Food Inc. The Hero. There's plenty of food. Now, if we grow to a trillion people in the planet, like Jeff Bezos said, will eventually happen. Then we'll not be able to grow enough food per se. But no. Yeah, talk about another common sense thing. And you say rotational grazing is actually good for the land, right? Hell yeah. The way we're, if you buy farmer's box meat, not only is it more nutritious for you because we don't artificially feed the cattle. A lot of cows, if you look at the last 20 years in the United States, beef you've eaten, those cows were fed other chopped up cows. Bubble dumps. Other chopped up cows. That's where mad cow's disease came from. Making cows cannibals. That's from USDA, baby. United States Department of Agriculture, full of PhDs, said, yeah, we think that, uh, you know, if you chop it up and they did something, basically you render it, so you heat it. Just heat it enough and there's no problem with cows eating cows. <laughs> Amish didn't do that because they're like, mm, cannibalism doesn't seem to make sense. <laughs> we only have an eighth grade degree, okay? <laughs> so I know you intelligent people over there are going to feed your cows they fed them bubblegum. A big thing even recently was chicken manure. So they had these big factory farms full of chicken manure. Poop. And they would scoop it out and bring it to cows. That's your McDonald's burgers. That's your Burger King. Now, that, a lot of that's been stopped now. But the general confinement way that you raise cows and at the end you put them in these feedlots where they're up to their knees in mud and manure and you feed them high concentrations of unnatural grains, corn specifically, you get un- it messes up the balance of the meat, the omega-3s and omega-6. So that's why grass-fed, Joel Salatz in 50 years been telling people to do grass-fed. Now it's in trend. It's trending the last five years. People, yeah. any smart person will take you 45 years for society to catch up with you. As Albert Einstein said, Joel Salatz was, he called himself the lunatic farmer. Everybody in the Shenandoah Valley said, oh, that lunatic farmer. And I told Joel, Albert Einstein said that the thing about smart people is they sound crazy to stupid people. One of the greatest compliments you will ever get is somebody goes, I think you're crazy. Your ideas are way far out there. Now, not all crazy ideas are smart, but it's like false positive, false negative, Alex. Yep. Not all crazy ideas are smart, but all smart ideas are crazy at one point. All of them. It is zero time. That uh, because humans are risk averse, so any new pioneering thing we automatically don't like. But at the end of the day, basically, look, 
You ain't gonna improve food um, by eating soylent. Or what is that thing they have in San Francisco? <laughs> you ever seen how most babies? Well, what if they're too busy to chew? Yeah, <laughs> that's, another, that's another added value to the world. Added value. We have something. It's like Brian Regan says about pop tarts. He goes, he goes. I was looking at the back of pop tarts. First of all, they have instructions on pop tarts. He goes, if you can't figure out how to do a pop tart, you probably don't know how to read instructions. <laughs> he said there's more than one instruction. It's like one, right. two. One's like. Open it out and pull it out of the box. Open it. Put it in oven. And then he goes, they have microwave instructions. Put in microwave for 12 seconds or whatever. He goes, uh, if you don't have time to toast a Pop-Tart and you got to microwave it, you may not want to loosen up your schedule. <laughs> but if you he, says, uh, he says they put them, he said that the instruction is to put them in. Burning. Yes, yes, burning. Burning. Yes. He says these people are reading Pop-Tart directions and you're going to throw the vertical <laughs> parts <laughs> at them. Well, vertical is horizontal. Oh, yeah, the, the, vertical. Yeah, vertical. <laughs> I was tilting my head when I was. <laughs> the irony. No, but, but the Soylent, not to make fun of these company, but First of all, you're going to create a food smarter than millions of years of evolution. Okay. Secondly, and the main value add is then you don't have to chew. Um, <laughs> newsflash, I've been to San Francisco. Lift weights, guys, in San Francisco. <laughs> it's like you do not need a more – if I have to masticate and use my jaws, no, that would be good. <laughs> it's like people in San Francisco are internal – Geekhead bubbleheads rolling around. Guys, if you want to attract pretty women, have a little muscle on your body. Like eat real meat. Eat real food, really. <laughs> really. So we live. Other ones too. Beyond meat. Yeah. I go look, I think veganism sometimes can work for people for sure. And I think it's good to rotate your diet. If you study omnivores, which what humans are. Have almost identical digestive systems as pigs and bears. You would just watch bears. There's times when and pigs and bears go pretty much vegan when there's scarce resources. Polar bears, you go into hibernation, they eat the fat. Veganism is a great way to cut weight. Javel McGee, who plays for the Lakers, a friend of mine, he goes vegan at times like in the, to keep from gaining weight in the off season, but during the season, he eats food, meat. Because there's a time and place and a season for everything. The real reason people are anti-meat is because they're talking about crappy meat. Yeah. So you run scientific studies on crappy meat. Yeah, that's a, that's called a that's called a straw man argument. Yeah. Well, some of them are also saying they don't want to kill. Nothing had to die from we had Yeah, but you don't want to kill. Right. But you, but that's what I said. You're trying to make Mother Nature. Nice. If you and I try to kill nothing, we still kill. I'll tell you the best argument against that. There's a lot of books by scientists about even the guy who wrote Omnivore's Dilemma, Michael Pollan, who is a professor at Berkeley. He's, there's a lot of scientific studies that plants experience pain. So they say when you cut the grass and it has that smell, that's plants screaming. Now, plants don't have vocal cords, but that's them warning. That's that's their method of pain. So a living organ, a rock doesn't have, that's the definition of living. It doesn't, when you touch this, you know, marble or whatever this countertop is, it doesn't react. But plants definitely react. 
every plant reacts. If you put something here, loud music, or you put some, the plant will grow away from it. So even as a vegan, you're killing stuff. You're definitely killing stuff every time. And by the way, I've had eight, you know, I've grown um, bees. When you go in and harvest vegetables, you kill bees. You just do. And bees are sentient beings, you know. I was looking at a farm to buy in Virginia, the 400-year-old tree. You stand on that 400-year-old tree, that thing's probably just alive as a lot. It just doesn't have vocal cords. So should we never chop down a tree? So here's your options. You could have no wood because you're killing trees. So then what are you going to use? Plastic. Hmm. What is plastic? The, it comes from what? Oil. Where does oil come from? Dead trees from a long time ago. So then let's make vinyl or synthetic chemical-based things. Well, most of that's petroleum-based too. Yeah. It needs to be. Yeah. Most things. You're not going to make a house out of stone, like Flintstones. Well, you could make stone houses. They had them. They're castles. And you get sick and die. Because, yeah, because, because you can't light fire because you need wood for fire. No, that's what I'm saying. This people want, they don't, the problem in the world is we don't get it. You don't understand. We want everything to be fair. We lost the street smarts that Bruce Lee had. You know, we lost the street smarts that the American army had versus the British. British, no, no, no. No, the British, you know, their big complaint was, this is not fair. You're fighting. <laughs> and the English, the Americans are like, fuck your fairness. <laughs> this is survival of the fittest, baby. Survival. Genghis Khan, he was the first guy that put, well, not the first, but the first that we studied that was big into retreat. He would come, shoot you with bone arrows, and then ride off. Another team would be like, wait, 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 wait. we're not ready. <laughs> it was, you ever seen that, the office episode where, they're the leads. Have you ever seen that episode of the American? Anyway, oh, yeah, I'm sure. The leads for the salespeople is a big thing, and Michael Scott, and he accidentally throws them in the trash. So him and Dwight Troop have to go to the dump and look for it. Anyway, they get mad at each other, and they start throwing stuff at the dump, and then uh, Dwight Troop starts to win, and Michael Scott's like, time out, time out, time out, because he's going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no timeout in life. There's no time out in life. So at the end of the day, stuff isn't fair. And I don't think we're going to solve it. We're just not going to solve it. Something off. You know what I always think the funniest thing is like people who are vegan or animal rights, they're, they're typing mean comments on their Apple iPhone, which is probably put together by child labor and kids going blind in Asia. So you could have a $900 Apple, I mean, uh, you know, a 10. What, what, all hipsters in San Francisco have iPhones. And I'm going, you are so counterculture. You love the largest corporation in history. Oh, you guys are just rebels out there. <laughs> yes, hipster with your stupid. That's what I said. All these people are not smart enough to think through. Well, if I'm really a hipster and I'm really counterculture, Maybe I'll askew and spurn the largest corporation in history. I met a guy when I was at the Amish. A lot of interesting characters would come visit the Amish. One guy was a guy I respected. I don't agree with him, but he didn't like the oil industry. He thought it was exploitative and has created wars for the last hundred years. 
So he came to visit the Amish in Virginia, and he walked from Boston. Hmm. He walked. No bicycle? He walked. Gandhi did the same thing. Like, he overthrew colonial power by saying, you can't fight England and simultaneously import their clothes and import their salt. That was his big, you know, he did the walk to the ocean or whatever was for salt. So I respect those kind of advocates, but a lot of people, even it's like people are super into the environment. And yes, they have a Prius. And I've had them attack me because right there in the garage, you've got Lamborghinis and stuff. And they go, see, Ty, you're so anti-environmental. And I'm like, who burns more gas? You and your Prius that live 200, uh, that, that drive 75 miles a day to get to and from your work. Or me, that, that Lamborghini hasn't gone three miles this year, this month. So I'm not saying I'm the perfect example. I'm just saying think through your accusations. You, I burn less fuel and I have more fun when I finally do burn <laughs> fuel. The solution for, anyway, the main solution, by the way, farmer's box, the way we're selling food from farms that are actually, the biggest pollutant in the world is agriculture. It's not cars. It's not cars. It is not cars. And it's okay at Elon Musk and you have electric cars and all that. It's pure agriculture is destroying the world. China's destroyed. China's destroyed. You talk about environmental degradation. China. China is, they've polluted. And America has pollution, don't get me wrong, but nowhere near what China's done. Um, And part of it, they have more people. They got about a billion plus more people than us. But partly just, it's just, I don't even know. I mean, China's disaster. And America's actually relatively, it's a lot better. now. There's more trees in America now than there was when Columbus came. But I gotta say, it's kind of cool how in 90 minutes, you just brought it full circle from Bruce Lee to China. So you got like the Asian- There you go. There. You like how I did that? I didn't even mean to. Street <laughs> smart. You probably should add mics on. You think the sound will be good enough in here? I think I'm close enough, yeah. Gonna echo, you think, a lot? I think, I think it's pretty natural because remember the one that tested really well where you're sitting where Alex yeah. is? It's a little echoey, but. Is that yeah. one okay? Yeah, I mean, that was not mic'd up. That was yeah. just all of uh, Yeah, always go. Probably gotta go relatively close. Um, yeah, so we're now all the way back to China. Bruce Lee. He was born, he's a Sagittarius, I think. Oh, really? Wasn't he? Wasn't he born in December? Oh, he was a dragon. In China, really into dragon. He was a double dragon. He was the year of the dragon. He's born in 40, 1940, I think. Died in 73. I think he was 33. He was 41. And he, I think he's in December. And he was also the month of the dragon. Because the Chinese keep track of year, month, hour, and then they have like a secret thing. West, we use this different kind of zodiac. Yeah, I'm a the year of the tiger and a Leo lion. There you go. So, but tigers and lions have very little pussy. Cat. But tigers and lions don't even live in the same place. Well, no, no, it's just the cat family is kind of what I'm. <laughs> They're saying. very far from each other. I don't think there are any. Are there many tigers in Africa? Lions are Africa has lions. Lions. Tigers like India. India. Yeah. Bangladesh. Yeah. So I think there's Sumatra and stuff like that. Yeah. All those places have tigers. Southeast. I'm going to call this the rambling podcast. <laughs> Wherever <laughs> the brain goes, we just go everywhere. 
We're going to launch a mentor box, long form podcast. Alex just interviewed Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn. Do we have that up on our podcast yet? No, I know not yet. We should put that whole thing on. Yeah, we should. Okay. We're kind of revamping. We got some new concepts to make mentor box even better. Like you got the iPhone four, five, six, seven, eight plus. 10. Now they got the 10 blah, blah, blah. By the time you watch the podcast, it'll be iPhone 43. <laughs> so that's what I said. Mentor box, we're on 3.0. 3.0. My SMMA program, social media marketing, is at 2.0. My e-commerce is at 2.0. You know, really, that's the way to think about life. Like, when you're 18 years old, you should be the 18.0 version of yourself. Yeah. My grandma's 100. She should be at the 100. When my grandma was born, World War One was still going. When I was in well, when I was in London, they was having Armistice Day, which is so World War One ended November eleventh. You know the crazy story? November eleventh at eleven a.m. Eleven eleven. Oh yeah, yeah. At eleven a.m. and the, they were still ordering troops to charge. An American died at like ten fifty-five. That's the unluck. That's a Leo. That guy. I'm gonna say the unluckiest man in the world. The war is over. No, some general's like, we have five minutes left. We'll charge. I would have turned around and shot him in the head. Be like, how about that? Yeah. Anyway, my grandma was born in February nineteen eighteen. So the war was still six months, almost eight months left to go. And then she didn't, of course, remember it, but her father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather was in World War I. He was a, on horseback. He was a doctor. My grandma said he never talked about it. Talk about unfair. The wars we have now are horrible. There's a lot of PTSD, but man, they're better than they used to be. Right? I think in Iraq and Vietnam, I think Vietnam American casualties was 52,000 or something. Um, now, casualties, that counts deaths and wounded. And, of course, you have a lot of mental illness, which is probably quadruple that. But just pure, easy-to-spot injuries. Um, in Afghanistan, how much have we? How many U.S. troops have we lost? 3,000 casualties or something in the Iraq and uh, Afghanistan? Oh yeah, both, I don't think. It's definitely not at 4,000, I don't think. World War II, which my grandma lived for, through, at 250 million displaced people. Now, that wasn't all casualties, but, like, just my grandma's brother was shot in the stomach in Russia. Um, you have all her cousins were killed. It's, like, wiped out. That's why I said the world is ruthless. And when now it's less ruthless, so we should be happy. The thing that brings about less wars, believe it or not, is good agriculture. Good agriculture. I can see that. Being on that farm, just. No, 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 no. The fight over food. Oh, yeah. And we're saying the food output. Yes. If you increase it, there's That's why farmer's box, like this business we have, is more than just good food and healthy food. It's also about change the world. Yeah, uh, Adolf Hitler, World War II, he specifically said, you know, they had this thing called, it wasn't Room Springer. The name was blah, blah. We needed more room. So Germany wanted Czech Republic. That was the beginning of World War II. People forget. They think it's Germany attacking Poland. It's not. It's Germany fighting over the Czech Republic, which used to be part of Germany. When my grandma's, I was talking to my grandma about her parents. I was like, what year were your parents born? She goes, 85. Mm-hmm. My grandma, you can't say 85 because it sounds like 1985. She's like, no, of course, I'm talking about 85. 1885. <laughs> my grandma says 85. She means 1885. Well, Germany did not become a country until like 82, 1882. 
I think, is it 82? They, it used to just be like Pomerania and Prussia and all this stuff. Um, and the part of Czech, which is to the south, the Sud, S-U-D, Suderland or whatever, that's like Bavaria and uh, Moravia and all that stuff. So good farmland. Adolf Hitler went straight in natural resources. He went for Romania and Bulgaria for the oil fields, and he went to the Ukraine for food. Because Russia, one of the most fertile places in the world is the Ukraine, this big, huge, flat area, which, by the way, was under grass. That's what I was telling you. Grass-fed brands, one of our boxes in Farmer's Box, were devoted to grass agriculture. Everybody thinks that trees is the solution. The most fertile land in the world develops under grass. You create more organic matter and more carbon sequestration with grass because grass pulses faster than trees. Um, That's why when they chop down the rainforest, it's much less fertile. All the organic matter goes into the trees. With grass, it's half of it goes in the roots. Basically, it mimics it. There's this much grass, it's that much root. So anyway, food is, and in Japan attacked um, Asia, which led to Pearl Harbor and got America into the war over food. They were attacking New Zealand because you could grow food. They were going, they wanted, because Japan's a little island, they knew they were gonna not be able to grow themselves enough food. America's one of the well. America's one of the big reasons America's so wealthy. We were completely, basically sufficient. Right. We have massive amount of food growing areas. From you can grow oranges in Florida. You can grow rice in New Orleans. I mean, in Louisiana, you can grow avocados in California. In the central part of America is grain belt of almost the world. And so, and in the upper Northeast, you can grow apples and it's very, very fertile. And yeah, war, that's one of the problems with like Iraq and Afghanistan. These people are just like desolate. It's not good farmland. And that's what's going to happen in India. I've been to India. Man, this place is going to be a nightmare because they've destroyed. It's called old soils. They farmed it for so many thousands of years. It's not, it's a problem. So that's why I said What's going to cause wars in in the world is going to be fighting over energy, oil. It's going to be fighting over food and water. You know, water, Middle East, people fight over water. It's going to be that way. So Sam Kinison will prove to be prophetic one of these days. With his feature. Joke that got me. Move away. Oh, did you ever see that one, Alex? Did we show that one to you? No. We should pop that in the podcast. (laughs) But Africa used to be very fertile. They overfarmed it. Some of the old books, like, what was the guy's name? Not Hannibal. Hannibal's in whatever, the Iliad or one of these things. Is it Homer? They went across parts of Africa that are now pure desert, and they said they never left the shade of a tree. It was was more fertile. So a farmer's box. Make sure you get food that's, if you really want to help the universe, Make sure you get food from the right sources. Yeah. Shameless plug for Farmer's Box, but it doesn't have to be Farmer's Box. Are you trying to find Sam Kinison? I'm sending it to Alex. <laughs> anyway, how long was this whole thing, you think? Uh, 90 minutes. There we go. That's what I wanted. Over an hour and a half is the best. Being bucks or else I run out of enough to talk about. You know, read a lot to be able to talk about. said, oh, did you want me to record it? Yeah. <laughs> I would just bring you. I should always do backup of like audio. Yeah, we should have put an audio. In the future, just put an audio down. The biography of Bruce Lee. 
Told you, Bruce Lee was Jewish. That is wild. Zach, what do you think of that? You, you would never know it by looking at him. I always thought he was Asian <laughs> by looking at him. His, his great-grandfather had 13, well, wife and 12 concubines that he purchased. He used to and he had 31 children. And one of them was, I think, Bruce Lee's father. The, the grandfather was from... Netherlands, the Jewish one, changed his name. When Bruce Lee died, though, this is an interesting thing for everybody in life. What a good way. I always say you should plan your life by the by your gravestone. Like, what's your gravestone going to say? Then you reverse engineer your whole life backwards. That's what Warren Buffett says. He goes, figure out what you want your life to be at 100 years old. And then go, what does my life have to be like at 90 to get that at 100? And to get that at 90, then you figure out what has to be at 80. And you work all the way back to your current age. It, but when War, Bruce Lee died the, in Asia, he was so loved. They did a funeral walking, you know, going down the street. It took like 30 policemen. When they brought the body, it was like 30 policemen had to lock arms because the crowd was just like. It's because they, they don't like Jewish people. No, they liked it. <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> Zach oh. is missing the. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought, <laughs> yeah. I, well, what a what a, an, an interesting thing too. Bruce Lee's father was an actor, poor actor who performed for this rich family, and a rich family. The daughter, women always liked the bad boy, went for the poor actor son, and the parents were so pissed. They almost disowned her. They cut her off financially. And uh, you should shoot from this angle so that can be it too. And uh, I, I can sit next to you that way. It's a fascinating, fascinating story. The, the, the origin story of people, that's what you want to know. Because when your life sucks, you can only fixate on the sucky life you have. But if you can realize that people, like Bruce Lee's dad had this horrible life, man. Back then, when Bruce Lee died in 1973, they stuck him. The funeral director goes, do you want him in the Chinese part? Here in California, they had it wasn't until like the 70s they passed a law that you couldn't discriminate against somehow against Chinese people. I didn't, I haven't finished the book, but it's insane. Imagine now is it a Jewish graveyard? No, they stuck him in the white, he wanted to be in the white one. And white people, and the white Zach's always happy for the white people. Zach's the whitest man on earth. I root for whites, (laughs) he's the only one in the modern world. I don't root against white people, I'll put it that way. Thank you for that addition to the Bruce Lee episode. But uh, it's interesting about families. It's like people always think like this is a genetic thing. People often go, uh, you know, this angle. I like this angle better. I like how I look better from that angle. Just get me a jacket because we're kind of that. You don't have to do that. Why? Come in tighter. Um, here's the thing that I learned from Dr. Buss. We often say, oh, this rich person's rich because their parents were rich and the parents gave them money. And that is true oftentimes, but be careful to not oversimplify it because sometimes it's genetic. Meaning the reason that Bruce Lee was such a great actor and so driven and successful is because he inherited the genes of his father. 50% of you comes from the dad's side. And his dad was this street smart guy who was also an actor, performer, singer, opera. He did opera and kung fu. They called it (laughs) gung fu. In China, the opera was like- I would go watch that opera. It was like Cirque du Soleil. If it were- It was like Cirque. 
Cirque du Soleil. It was. Remember, let's, we should do Cirque an opera. let's do some an opera with some kind of. What's the Cirque du Soleil thing we like so much? The comedy joke from Brian Regan. Oh, the uh, <laughs> as the guy in charge of the, the creative director. Go watch. He's That's never the Seinfeld said no one. I mean, the Seinfeld Brian Regan comedians in cars. What does he say? So, so he goes. I've been writing a guy. bit about Cirque du Soleil. It says the uh, it's the creative director for Cirque du Soleil. The guy has never said no to anything. <laughs> it's like we want elephants. Yeah, but he's like, it? all right, come on, we got to come up with a new Cirque du Soleil bit. I need you to give me your ideas. Keep in mind, I'm not going to say no to anything. They're like, yeah, yeah, ele- like elephants with music. Streamers. Yes, <laughs> dancing. Yes. Well, that the Chinese Bruce Lee's father, they had opera singing. He had a falsetto voice, or he. Not falsetto voice. He had a high voice. He could go falsetta. And he uh, could do gung fu, it was called. And then you have kung fu, of course, which is what we call it here. Believe it or not, I actually am an official. I have from the Shaolin Temple where kung fu come from in China. I'm an official student. When I was 25, I became official student of the Shaolin Temple. My teacher was this guy, Sifu. His name is Brad Huffman. He was a Navy SEAL in North Carolina, and he was the only white guy ever to get raised in the Shaolin Temple. He was literally, because his dad was an ambassador or diplomat from America. So he's this big ass white guy. So you were there when you were 25? Yeah, right around 25. Yeah. And anyway, so, but that Kung falsetta, Fu. That falsetto makes sense. Uh, now when you hear like the, the fact that he can do that now I get Bruce Lee did not do that but Bruce Lee Bruce Lee what I was going to say about genetics is so you get the acting and then the dad's side the mother's side was I think I'm getting this right or not the mother's side was super sharp like aristocratic but also traders and not traitors but like merchant traders made a lot of Oftentimes, the best background you can have is intellectual on one side and street smart on the other side. That is a good combo. So I think that if you think about genetics and attraction, Alex, the reason I think like rich girls like bad boys, it's a freaking genetic. It's it's they call this. um, What is the word for it? There's an evolutionary psychology term. Well, one is called assortive mating, but that's not exactly what I'm looking for. But (laughs) assortive, assortive, A-S-S-O-R-T, assort, like assorting. Humans have assortive mating. Like Brad Pitt married Angelina Jolie. He didn't marry Whoopi Goldberg or Rosie O'Donnell. No offense to them, but in general, super good looking people end up together. Um, not always, but if you go back statistically, you know, Danny DeVito didn't marry uh, Angela Jolie. Hmm. Brad Pitt did. So that's a sort of a, the word I'm looking for, there's a word, I, it's not coming to mind, but basically the reason you have sexual reproduction, because not all things have sexual reproduction. Grandpa was a scientist when I was a little kid. He should always tell me about ferns. He had collected almost every fern in the world. He was a top expert on ferns, and he said, these ferns, there's no male and female. They have asexual reproduction. They have like these spore things. Earthworms. Earthworms are actually both. Mm-hmm. They have sexual mating, but no gender. It's like male and female. They can be either one. But humans have, the reason you have sexual reproduction scientifically is because it basically 
reduces mutations and increases the chance of survival. So think about it from a social, like social side. If you get a street smart parent and the mom, or it could be either gender, but the mom that in this case is attracted to this non-intellectual but street smart guy, you get a better child because you get both lines. Things are more genetic than you think. I think one of the biggest things that'll come out in the, our century is how much stuff is genetic. Almost everything is genetic, really. It, it, but it's not so simple. It's not like, because genetics is very weird in the sense that if Angelina Jolie marries Brad Pitt and has kids, they won't necessarily be actors or even good looking. You get weird mutations that come off the grandparents' side or something. I mean, you get repro- you get reproductive errors and mutations and stuff. But in general, over a lot of generations, the right parents produce Bruce Lee. I think society doesn't like to talk about that because it's very brutal. It's like brutal, you know. Smart parents produce smarter kids in general on an IQ scale. So, Brad, uh, my theory on Bruce Lee because Bruce Lee was transcended acting or I mean he's an icon it's funny he only he died at I think 32 or 33 I think he was born in 1940 he died in 73 people still love Bruce Lee to this day there's not that many his few interviews he did it's like be like water and all that people just it's like the most iconic thing if I post a Bruce Lee thing all guys are like Bruce Lee we love you but he, he was an eclectic mind he invented he took kung fu he mixed it with American boxing and he created this thing called Jeet Kune Do. That, by the way, is on his gravestone. The Jew Kune Do? Jeet Kune Do. <laughs> Jeet oh. Kune Do. His Jeet wife, Kandu. Linda, I think, put that on the on the um, tombstone and said founder of Jeet Kune Do. Now, here's the dark side of genetics. Is there such a thing as a curse? Because look what happened to Bruce Lee. He dies at 33. Then he has a son, Brandon Lee who dies almost in identical certain, not exactly his son died because they had a blank and a gun and it went off, but it was actually not really a blank. I don't, it wasn't a full bullet though. Isn't that what happened to Bruce Lee too? No, no, Bruce Lee died like some overdose hemorrhage. His wife thought he was killed and poisoned. There's theories that Brandon Lee was killed same way. And the Kennedys, that's a cursed. Yeah, I mean, what's up with the Kennedys? How many of them got two assassinated? Then you got the, the John Jr. that flies fly And then you have the other one that crash. crashes the car yeah. and kills other people. And, and hey. murdered a woman. Um, was he considered murdering? He didn't do it. Well, he less die. That would be more manslaughter. He ate color of manslaughter. No, 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 but he was in the car, wasn't he? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying he wasn't murder. No, yeah. Because he no. would have di- almost died too. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> that's a big difference. But that can you know, if you study the Kennedy family, the genetics of blessed and cursed of our family, that family all comes from one powerful, I forget his name, but the senior Kennedy. This guy was the godfather. Look at the Hiltons, you know, the grand, the grandfather, the, is it the great grandfather of Paris Hilton? Is the Conrad Hilton who started, he was a smart dude and his dad was smart. You should read the story. Have you ever read the story of Conrad? I just bought his uh, biography. Yeah, Conrad Hilton. He was 
relatively poor. His dad came out of Long Beach where I was born. It used to be oil fields. When I was a little kid, I used to see those things. I used to think they were dinosaurs. Those little pumps in Long Beach. You live there, Sam. And, uh, but genetics is much more powerful. So here's the main takeaway. Be careful of who you have kids with. Have, like, be smart who you have kids with. Seriously. There's some people you don't want to have kids with. Shit. And people, people, there's nothing taught in school about that because people, society is way too sensitive for this conversation, you know? And I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I'll tell you, guys like Dr. David Buss, he told me, for example, do not marry a woman. Uh, he said, if you, he didn't say do not marry. He said, if you want a good life, don't marry some, a woman with, they used to call it high neurosis. Now it's called, you could call it high anxiety. You could call it turbulent personality. Um, the big five called Hexaco calls it emotionality. And there's four factors in it. So that's probably the most scientific modern way. There's sentimentality, um, anxiety, fearfulness, and dependence. So it'd be the anxiety one. That's the problem. So that's him saying, and that by the way is very genetic. Now people are gonna get mad at him for saying that because they're gonna go, well then who the hell do all those women marry? Or all those men who have high anxiety? I don't know, I don't have the answer. Evolution is a cold, brutal thing. There are, sometimes there's no nice answer. That's why society's getting all stupid. Because if it wants to be nice and, and fair, it's not fair. There's nothing more brutal than mother nature. Nothing. I'm on my, I have a farm. I was just there snowing and you just watch. There's all these foxes on this farm and there's coyotes and these foxes every day. You see them. If you go out at night, when I drive out, you see the foxes run across the field. They have something in their mouth that they broke its neck, like a little vole, a, you know, a mouse, a rabbit. They're just going, it's just brutal. It's like <laughs> snap the neck. That's why I saw somebody doing vegan food for dogs. <laughs> I'm going, it's a carnivore. You're going to kill it. But people want the world to be nice. So they go, I don't want dog in nature. Dogs, lions, carnivores are brutal. Grizzly bears are brutal. And in society, when you start talking about genetics and you start talking about who you marry and who you should avoid, people go, well, that then who's left with all the high anxiety, neurotic people? I don't know. I'm not God. Blame God, you know, you can take it up in your prayers and go, why is the world? What Dr. Buss told me is if you want a good life, follow this. He didn't say if you want to have a fair world, it's hard to create a fair world. And I actually think there's, it's like politics. There's repercussions to making too many regulations to make things fair. For example, most classic example that everybody on both sides agrees on, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberals, housing projects. Housing projects come out basically in the 1940s, 50s, 60s. I think it was more 50s, 60s. It's supposed to make things more fair for disenfranchised minorities, blacks, Latinos. I know this well because my dad's from Harlem, okay, which was very ghetto. My sister still lives in the Bronx, never left. So this is cool. I can talk about this because my own family and my uncle worked in the housing projects and my sister's husband, who believe it or not has the same name as me. He worked in housing projects in Harlem his whole life as a painter. And they're hell holes. I mean, read the new book, Sex, Money, Murder. That movie. Hey, stop this for a second and then do another one. Cause I, I 
10 minutes. Yeah. Um, there's this book, Sex, Money, Murder, which is the story of crack cocaine. We, we thought of making this. This needs to be Amazing. Narcos, you got Narcos Mexico coming out. Yeah. They should have done Narcos, Sex, Money, Murder. This story is crazy, but it, that all happens in the Bronx in housing projects. And, and you know, black leaders now think that the housing products projects were basically created to eradicate black people. Um, and then conservatives or Republicans don't like housing projects because they don't like big government. So both sides, Obama and the Bushes agree. Housing, pro- housing projects was retarded. Black families, used to, there used to be a lot more black families. And so you try to be nice and you try to make the world fair and you put together housing projects and they disincentivize people to do things that gives you dignity, which is have a job, a career, you know? Welfare sounds great. And sometimes there should be social support. I'm not saying there shouldn't be. My mentor, Joel Salatin, is libertarian. He's like, no welfare, nothing. No controls on drugs. He's like, if you want to do crack cocaine, blow your brains out, baby. Get off the planet. But I don't know if I'm a... I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm all for helping the helpless, but for the clueless, I say let them fall through the cracks. Well, I think what Joel Salatin would say is let local communities take care of them. We don't need a big centralized government. That's another argument. But I will tell you, big government housing projects have ruined a generation. Bad part of Chicago, south side of Chicago, housing projects. Atlanta, boom. When I lived in North Carolina, all my, most of my friends um, were in housing projects. Halifax, Court, all these places we used to go to. These were Worthdale. These were horrible places. I mean, bad places. Um, south Central Los Angeles, they put them up. Watts. Places catch on fire. You should eat. Being nice to people doesn't always work out because there's something called game theory. Everything creates an opposite and equal reaction. So I mean, I give money to homeless people on the streets, but that's not my only modality to help homeless people. I have two billion minutes watched of videos from of people where I give out business advice to help people start their own business. I was just in Vegas with one of my top students. He's in four of my programs. I never met him until a few months ago. 2014, he was in a prison cell, eight by 12. His mom used to print out my videos because he couldn't have internet in there and bring him a transcript of them. And he read all the books I recommended. He got he can make $50 million profit this year from 2014. That's how, you, so you don't just give money to homeless. You don't just give somebody a fish. You teach them how to fish too. Kid out of Detroit in one of my e-commerce programs, not from a nice part. I think he's in Detroit or Chicago. He went from zero. He made making a million dollars a month selling women's clothing online. I think he's netting about 130000 a month. So the government should have done other stuff with all that money. They should have, for example, created like shadowing programs where you allow people to go be around someone successful. That's way better. Housing project just yeah. concentrated crime and poverty. You should have done the opposite of, of, of these things. It's the same with prison. You create these hard prison sentences because you want to protect society. Most people who go to prison don't go for life. Okay? It's a very small amount. So you stick people in prison to punish them. But then you stick them around other hardcore criminals. They go in for three years. 
they come out more skilled criminals and they call yeah. it the recidivism rate is super high in America. My Is dad would be blow. No, where he talks about uh, basically that. it's a university yeah. for uh, crime, learning how to be a more successful criminal. Just well, go to class. When I was born, my dad was in prison here in Los Angeles. He got out. My mom's like, one year later, he's back in prison again. He served two or three times because now if you take it, be, it was too hard to get a job. So you punish people, but if you punish too hard, that's game theory. So if you try to make everything too fair or too harsh, it backfires on you. So you have to be smart and society's stupid. You know what I was talking about today, Alex? I was just thinking, I just shot a little Snapchat video and I was going, you know, Bruce Lee was a street smart dude. His dad was a street smart guy. Uh, and they learn in the university of life, the real university, the current university system, uh, 1.2 trillion, possibly 2 trillion in debt in America is an artificial bubble for most people. If you go to medical school the last five years or six years or eight years, you're out of the bubble, but just people going for regular undergrad humanities degree. Okay, you go into a bubble, forget the bubble. You wanna make money, go. Find somebody, this is what I did, who knows how to make money, say, yo, I'll work for you for free. Everybody likes free. If you ask 10 people that, one will say yes. You work for them for free for a couple months. You do such a good job, so diligent, that they have to hire you because they don't want to lose you. Now you got a paid job. You rise up the ranks in skill level, and then you partner with them and do a business with them. That's the real world. That's the street smart world. And that's why I think people like Bruce Lee. And what I'm saying is genetically, after reading this book about Bruce Lee, his father and his mom too, in some ways, I don't, I don't know exactly where it came from, but you got to have that street smarts, and you also have to have intellectual smarts, which he got from his mom's side. Theory, politics. Hey, by the way, a little anecdotal or a little trivia. You know why? What Republican comes from? I just found this out reading a book. I was reading a book, which is the story of the War of eighteen twelve. Uh, and you know where Republican comes from? You mean the, the name or the, yeah. the title? You know who were the original Republicans? Uh, it's nothing to do with what you think of Republicanism now. I think nothing. it was... Um, Quick trivia. Uh, was it the Klan? The Ku Klux Klan. Not even close. Uh, no, I don't know. So, but let's cut that out of the podcast where I don't know. No, let's keep emphasize. <laughs> open with that. Let's move that <laughs> to the front. Echo. Yeah. <laughs> Next to it. No, and so America after Revolutionary War, we won the Revolutionary War, very happy. When we were in London last month, Zach was making fun of all the English people that bothered him. He goes- Or that would give us advice. Yeah, well, what did you or say to them? stick their nose in our business. <laughs> so we went to war 250 years ago so that we didn't have to listen to you. <laughs> Zach got threatened. They revoked his visa. What kind of advice for- No, there was some annoying English people Just when like we were in line at the airport. Just their nose in business and commenting on our conversation. I love English people, by the way. I want to keep my ability to go to England. <laughs> uh, I do too. I just don't want <laughs> After the war of 1776, Revolutionary War, England still messed with us. So they still pissed us off. For example, they didn't withdraw their forts. They started taking American soldiers. So what happened is after America won, England's here, and England went to war with France. Because England and France have been going to the war 
forever. Remember Napoleon, you know, early 1800s. So England and France are at war. And America liked to make money. <laughs> so we were neutral. So we sold to both sides. We sold them like, oh, you want tobacco was a big thing in Virginia. So they were like, English, you want tobacco? We'll sell it to you. French, you want tobacco? We'll sell it to you. Well, the English were pissed we're selling to the French. The French were pissed we're selling to the English. So they used to attack our boats. And um, you get your boats attacked too much, so America starts to get mad. So America splits into two groups. One group goes, we like the French. Fuck the English. One group goes, we love the English. Fuck the French. And these are guys back like Henry Clay, Daniel Wittrell's. The Republicans like the French. Can you believe that? <laughs> because, now, okay, so the Republicans were, they call Republicans the people who like the French. And what did they call people who Federalists liked the were the Federalists. ones who went for the English. Okay. So there was no Democrats back then. But here's the interesting thing. Federal, uh, so, but the Republicans had a good reason. I'm not a Republican now or a Democrat politically. I'm a more libertarian. But uh, France had just saved us in 1776. So the Republicans were like, you saved us? We owe you one. So I can't fault them for that. I'm not sure. The reason they liked the English was they had a lot of family ties to the English. French people can be kind of annoying, literally. But that's the origin of the Republican Party and the French Party. And that eventually evolved into, talking about street smarts of Bruce Lee, that eventually evolved into the War of 1812. Which America got his butt kicked at one point. You know, they burned Washington, D.C. Yeah. But then they went down to the south of Louisiana. <laughs> and America kicked their butts horribly. It was back to the old... It's funny. Talk about stubbornness. The English still didn't get the thing of don't line up. Yeah. <laughs> la, la, la. Red clothes. <laughs> yeah. Like, look like a shooting target. They call it the miracle at New Orleans. They took, they basically positioned the English army. They lured them in. It's like the most classic trick. The Indians, Native Americans used to do this to Americans. They said like three warriors yeah. would ride up and be like, oh, 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 you guys suck. And then the whole fort would open, chase the three guys. And then over the hill, there was, you know. A thousand Indians. Not usually not a thousand. There was a lot. And it would slaughter the Americans. And the Americans would fall for it over and over. <laughs> but the English fell for it. And in New Orleans, Andrew Jackson, that's where he became so famous. He led them in. And it was crazy. The final battle, the English were like, charge. And um, pride. Stubbornness and pride. I always say you want to lose money, be stubborn, proud, and sensitive. Stubbornness, first of all, the general was walking through this thing. And he realized, wait a second. There's like water on one side, swamp on the other. And in front of us, we, we think the, the Americans are there. So what about any smart person like Genghis Khan, the greatest conqueror of all time? He used to retreat all the time. But the English go, we will never retreat to this little <laughs> colonial power. So it wasn't even an option to go backwards. So he, he thought, da, 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 da. it was on, I think, Christmas Day or some holiday and the Americans celebrated and the English got mad and shot cannonballs at him and it pissed off the Americans. So I'm blurring the story a little bit, but the end result is the English go char attack and the Americans have this wall and the Americans at the end of the day 
complete slaughter of a, three Americans died. Because the Americans are smart. They would shoot their guns over the wall without looking. <laughs> if you want to not die, you don't put your head over the thing. They just go, and the English are going, they're getting shot like this. It was a complete, the, the English general, of course, the, one, the main English general gets killed right away. His horse gets shot out from under us. He gets another horse and goes. And gets a higher. Yeah, you get, he gets, I need a bigger horse. <laughs> yeah, he got taken out like that, damn. And I'm thinking, my friend, you got one pass from God. God goes, do not retreat, my uh General Custer, the same thing. See, Bruce Lee had street smarts, um, and a lot of people don't. Now, he did end up dying young, but the great people seem to die young. Freddie Mercury, the best singers in the world. Freddie Mercury dies young. Lennon. That's young, man. Michael Jackson dies young. Prince dies young. And we're left with, yeah, who doesn't die? Oh, after I saw that Bohemian Rhapsody movie, I get in the car, and it was some horrible pop song. And I'm going, why? Did Freddie Mercury die <laughs> and this band still like pop? New edition. Oh my god. No offense to New Edition. Yeah, it was like One Direction. One Direction. <laughs> Don't say One Direction got a big fan audience. You're gonna get murdered by a million people. Yeah, don't pick on you uh, what's the one that no Coldplay, Coldplay. And no one likes Coldplay. No, people like oh, Coldplay. People love Coldplay. Really? You too. Yeah. Yeah, they love you too. You love you too. I'm not the only one. So do millions and millions <laughs> and millions and millions of other people on Spotify. Look at uh, you know how you can see the, the number of uh, yeah. what you call it all, uh, by the artist. Bohemian Rhapsody has over oh, yeah. 500 million. You go look at the Beatles, at Zeppelin, yeah. at the Stones. They they're like 200 and some million. Yeah. Another street smart kid. It's Bohemian Rhapsody guy. Well, that's not his real name, but Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. If you see, that's such a good movie. Look, here's you want to know about Street Smart? These movie critics gave that movie like a forty. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, and the audience picked like ninety. That's one of the best yeah. movies of the year. Over half a billion. Yeah, for them on oh, no, Bohemian Rhapsody. Street Smart Kid. Stairway to Heaven's only two hundred fifty million. Rolling Stones. Well, we're on a little bit older. Can't get no satisfaction, 181 million? What the heck? Zach likes the oldies. Pink and Black's 259. Anyway. Nobody's we, sniffing Queen is what I'm getting at. Over half a billion. For octave range, there's probably not a better male vocalist. Top male vocalist of all time. Four, not five? Yeah. Axl Rose, I think, had four or five. You got Axl Rose. I'd say best voices. Michael Jackson had a good voice. Prince had a good voice, but... I don't think it's good Michael Jackson. Bono. Bono is. Nice. Uh, but he's not like range. He's a, women. Oh, he does, there's more no, range with women. If you listen to With or Without You, I'm going to start getting all. Not better than Freddie Mercury. What well, no, I mean, Or Axl Rose. I think Freddie. Or Journey. Yeah, What's his name from Journey? Steve Perry. Steve no, Perry. no, no. Steve Perry's a guitarist for Aerosmith, I think. Um, I'm relying on you for the oldies. Zach likes all the oldies. I think Joe Perry. Joe Perry's, yeah, Aerosmith. So it is Steve Perry with Journey. Yeah, sorry. Thank you, cameraman. Elvis Presley had a good voice, too. Anyway, we're off topic of Bruce Lee. Paul McCartney's <laughs> got a great rock and roll voice. Yeah, but not range. Like, come on. 
Like, just pure. If you did one of those sing-alongs like he did at, like Freddie Mercury did at uh, Live Aid, you're not keeping up with Freddie Mercury. Now, women have more range than men. Think about it. Beyonce, um, Mariah, Mariah Carey, even Christina Aguilera. These people have tremendous voices. Now, Pavarotti, I saw Pavarotti before he died. His hair caught on fire when I saw him at a stadium in Raleigh, North Carolina. They had fireworks in his beat. It was his beard. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't get like huge flame, but they had to stop the show. Like, yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, somebody <laughs> ran up. He didn't notice it. That's how you know you're weird. <laughs> it's on fire. Like, yeah, they thought he was screaming up. <laughs> they just thought, oh, yeah, oh, that's so beautiful. That's his best scene ever. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard him. Wait, how did where was fire in the middle of the pyrotechnic? They had a pyrotechnic thing. It was in Raleigh, North Carolina. Your home was talking about. I went. I didn't have much money. I'll never forget it. This girl I was dating, Tara, was her name. It was the first time I ever used online dating. I was at this. I, I thank you for turning the blender on during the podcast. Went that way. Alma always knows the street smart things to do. Oh, you're doing an audio podcast? <laughs> Nothing makes a sound better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Blender. Anybody <laughs> got a vacuum? Yeah. <laughs> Let me clang. Yeah, right, right. I need my simple practice. <laughs> hey, can you close the garage? That thing's bringing in cold air. Um, what was I just saying though? Right before. Beard on fire. On the dating. On fire. Oh, so. I, I had gotten. Right when oh, I started, I started making a little bit of money. First thing I did was stop sleeping on a couch in a mobile home. I was basically homeless with no car. I don't even think I had a car yet. I got a house before a car, and I did. I went online or like Craigslist or some newspaper, and I found Name on Me, which we know was my roommate. You want to hear it say? Oh, you found him on that. I was like, what? You found Name on online? Yeah, but as a roommate, not as a date. It was a guy. Um, but here, do you believe things happen for a reason? Because, or say, coincidence is very funny. I get these two roommates. Three of us shared a house. Craig, I forget his last name, Navon Nee, who when he went on and worked for me after that for a few years. We get there. It was like the first, it was eight. It was, I forget what month it is. I'm like, my birthday's coming up. We all had the same birthday. Three people. What are the mathematical odds of that, Alex? Alex has a... 309,000... Like one over 2.7 million, I yeah. think. Something like that. Yeah. What <laughs> so the first house I ever got really, besides like an Amish, when I lived with the Amish... Lift it up a little higher. I like them higher. Um, I get this house. We go there. And this dude, Craig, was always going on dates with pretty women. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? He goes, Yahoo Personals. That's what it was. Hey, that's what it was. <laughs> Alex owns a huge dating site. Yeah, Yahoo yeah, Personals is a no, classic. Yeah, <laughs> Yahoo Personals. So I go, I'm going to make a online dating site because I had just moved to this city. I didn't know anybody. And so I type it in, da, 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 make my little profile. I get a, emails from a girl, no picture. This is how naive I was. I was like, she's probably pretty. Yeah, right. She's probably pretty. <laughs> Like, right? It's like everyone has a prize. If she wrote me, she's probably true. Right, right. No, so she goes, uh, I'll take you to this place on Thursday. So she knocks on the door on Thursday, open the door. She had a wart on her nose. I'll never forget. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. 
Anyway, I met this other girl, Tara. She and said, no habla inglés. I was like, wrong house. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I met this other girl, Tara, and then we went to Pavarotti, but I didn't have much money, so I sat at the... I could, you could hardly hear Pavarotti, like, in the rafters of... What's the what's the stadium they have? Carter Finley or Reynolds? Reynolds or Carter Finley. Carter yeah. Finley's the football. Was it? No, no, it wasn't the football. It was, it was Reynolds Arena. Oh, I have uh, no idea. Oh, we were talking about music... We've gotten far away. This is a rambling podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it, but I tend to ramble. My mind goes all over the place. So, yeah, online dating. I'll never forget being like, this is going to be great. I just get girls message me. Yahoo Personals was big. Yeah, but the word on the nose was not. Yeah, well, here's my people thing. would not upload photos back then. If you have any money and you have a word on your nose, Get it removed. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. No, this is the best advice. Remember in Uncle Buck when John Candy talks to the, uh, the teacher or the principal and she's got that big old ward and he goes, here's a, a quarter. Why don't you go downtown and have a rat and all that thing off? Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> okay, what does the quarter play in convincing the rat part? Transport, oh, like a bus. He was just trying to insult her. Like a bus fare to go downtown. Oh, oh yeah, bus fare. When is <laughs> bus fare a quarter? The old movie. Actually, the first date I ever went on when I was, I think, 13 years old, this girl I knew in school goes, my cousin likes you. I go, let me see a picture of her. She was like, oh, no, I just meet her in person. <laughs> I'll never do that. This is how I was naive. And uh, I, I grew up uh, in a family that didn't have much money. So I, I got, I think I got paid $10 a month was mine for doing stuff around the house for my mom. That was our budget. I mean, $100 a year. So it was, I had $10 in a month. It was a dollar to go from where I live in San Diego, kind of the ghetto part. All the way to the nice parts. It was like dollar each way. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be two dollars to go visit money. this girl. So I go, I get all the way down to University Town Center. It's still there, and they have a roller rink. She's like, meet me at the uh, ice skating rink because no, we didn't have cell phones. I get there, and I'm off the bus. I'm like, this girl's gonna be pretty because the sister was pretty, but she had a boyfriend. So she's like, you can date my cousin. So I'm like, good jeans. Going back to Gene, I get there. It was just like that Office UK with Ricky Gervais. Uh, Remember that scarf? scarf. Yeah, Ricky Gervais goes, I'm here uh, looking for a girl in a red scarf. And there was like one pretty girl walked by, and he turns around, and it's a nasty girl. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. That's what I did. I see her come around the corner, and I'm like, what? I was so pissed. And then she's like, I want a hot dog. And I get, man, I was like ruthless at 13. I was like, I got to go. I don't know where I was blunt at 13 because I was like, this has been great, but I'm taking my bus home. I bought her a corn dog, stayed 10 minutes, and then I spent, but it was $2. I remember being like, what the hell? <laughs> this shit cost, I saw, I saw her sister at school the next day. I was like, what are you thinking? Doing assortive mating. I should have said assortive mating because this is what I, no offense to her sister. I'm sure she's a lovely girl, but you got to have some attraction in life. I read this new book you like uh, by this Yale lady, and it's she challenges the myth of monogamous women that women should be monogamous. It's actually a pretty. I post on my Snapchat. I don't remember the name of it right now, but she basically says the one one takeaway, which I think I'm not sure the science is that good on the whole book. Some of it is, but she says if. 
there's an arranged marriage like some societies have. And a woman or a man is forced to marry somebody that they're not attracted to. Cheating, the odds of cheating goes up like 10 times. Makes sense, right? You make somebody marry somebody you're attracted to, they're going to sleep with the milkman, the neighbor. So stifle, like this is another thing that modern society doesn't like to talk about, is that it just take the whole, there's this whole conversation about being overweight, loving your body shape and all that. But the damn problem is men's brains are somewhat hard-coded to have a certain shape that they like. And I agree, it's not always stick figure supermodels. In fact, I can tell you from my own social media, if a girl's too skinny and stick figure, she does not. Like a runway model look is not attractive to most guys. But I can also tell you an unhealthy body isn't attractive either. And society doesn't like that because a lot of, because <laughs> there's a lot of, well, we don't like to, the food in America. I just got back from London. We got, biggest scam in America is education system, but the food system. We have a messed up food system, man. It's too ruthlessly putting, there's, there's meals. You can get for three to five dollars. I have like 1,200 empty calories in it. It's like everybody's becoming fat and nasty, and now we want to redefine. I'm not saying if you're fat, you're nasty, but there we've all seen fat and nasty, both on men and women's side. And I'm not saying I'm in perfect shape or that you have to be in perfect shape, but you can't override millions of years of evolution. And what this book said by this woman from Yale is that you shouldn't because Scientifically, there's this thing, I think it's called HTC. The most definitive scientific work, body of work on what we're attracted to, it's people of opposite, uh, basically, I think it stands for histamine response or something like that. HRC, HTC, something like that. But when you are around somebody and you feel a spark, that is your body saying, if you have a kid with this, you'll have lower birth defects, less chance of, um, of miscarriage, higher chance of the husband and wife staying together. Because what is attraction at the end of the day? It's the glue that holds together relationships. And it's a complicated field. But again, society in its quest to make everything fair actually messes everything up and that it isn't all fair it's like take the thing let's take you know black there's definitely been massive oppression of black people in america if you i read this book about by the last slave who was actually born in africa you should read this book it is insane it's very hard to read because they wrote it in the old colloquial language that he never learned proper english but he was born in africa in the 1850s and he was 18 years old or 19 when they stuck up. Other black tribes would come, capture them, and sell them to the Portuguese. Portuguese sold them to white people. And, you know, he, this guy had a horrible life. You definitely didn't want to be a slave. They asked him, because he, he was still alive in the 1920s. They asked him, like, oh, was it nice to be a slave? You got taken care of food? He's like, hell no, we want him our freedom. And he was a slave for, I think, four to six years. And then the Civil War came. And he was, he was working on, he was working on a boat 
I think on the Mississippi River as a slave. And so another boat came by and said, hey, you're free. He said, what? I said, you're free. Abraham Lincoln won the war. Grant, you know, they won the war and he went. But his life was still not that good after because right after the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln's killed. And it was the second, I think it was the second president after. Who went in after Abraham Lincoln? Damn it. Can't remember right now, whoever the vice president, but eventually, I think it was, I think it, eventually it was Stonewall Jackson became president, right? Stonewall Jackson didn't like black people because he was a Southern. And he, that's what this whole era of reconstructionism. So basically blacks were hardcore oppressed from about like 1870s, even into the 1920s. Now it went even longer than that. You had Jim Crow and all this stuff. But the point is, there's a lot of black rights or African-American rights people that want to make things right. And they say, look, the reason white people are richer than us because you had systematic oppression. And there's a lot, there's truth to that, trust me. But I don't know what the solution is, is the problem. How do you solve stuff when stuff's not fair? I don't know what to do. I've had things in business where business partners or people in business have done stuff unfair to me. I don't know what to do. I mean, you can sue people and get money back. You still wasted years of your life. You can't buy years of your life back. So there has to be a balance in society, whether you're talking about minority oppression. I mean, like I said, my family, I could, I could claim that. My dad grew up in Harlem and, his, and, and that was a disenfranchised part of the world. It was blacks and Puerto Ricans. You know what my dad said growing up? He said it was blacks and Puerto Ricans. Because he was Puerto, I'm part Puerto Rican. I'm like, I do my DNA. I'm nine percent Puerto Rican. And my dad, my dad's whatever, more. But my dad goes it was us and the black people. We liked each other because they were brown and black people, and we hated the Irish and Italians. And that's who we fought. And I think the Irish and Italians didn't like each other either. So they fought the Irish on one side, and the Italians on the other. My dad got crazy. He didn't tell me many stories, but. He's like, my best friend did get, my best friend got uh, hands tied behind his back, taken up to the top of the 18th floor building and thrown off by the Italians onto his head, splattered. So I'm saying these ghettos were nasty, but I don't know what the solution is for me. I guess you could go back to Italians and Irish and say, hey, you guys messed up my life, fix it. So I don't know if reparations are always the answer, maybe. But at the end of the day, Mother Nature is brutal. Will Durant says, maybe the arguably the wisest person in history, Will Durant, or alive, he said, the, the second law of nature is competition. And that competition, so there was, for example, 1800s was the era where white people were very powerful, or, or non-black, we'll call it. They had the upper end. They were competing, and they didn't want to give it up. And then... It'll probably shift, you know? There was a time, like Alex is Persian. There was a time in, in the world history where Persia was on top of the world. And you had a time when Asians were on top of the world. In fact, China was off, on top of the world. Going back to Bruce Lee, the opening chapter of that book's called, what's it called, The Poor Man of Asia or whatever, The Weak Link in Asia. And Japan took advantage of China. And Japan, talk about ruthless. That was Asian on Asian. So at the end of the day, if you go through human history, it's just like nobody was nice. People go, America slaughtered the Native Americans, for sure. 
but so did the Native Americans. You know why? You know how the Native Americans were eventually defeated because American generals like General Crook, for example, that was his name, believe it or not, General Crook. I'm gonna cut this one. It's 18 minutes already. Hired Indians because they couldn't keep up with the Indians. The Indians were too good of hold. But do you know why the Crow Indians signed up to fight the Sioux Indians? Because the Crow Indians hated the Sioux Indians because the Sioux Indians had exterminated the Crow Indians. So yes, the Sioux Indians were noble people that were eventually, you know, battle wounded knee, they call it, massacre of wounded knee. But the Sioux Indians 20 years before had slaughtered the Crows. So what I'm saying is, I'm somebody, my last name's Lopez, so as a minority, I don't know what the solution is, is the solution. The solution is be street smart and also book smart simultaneously. That's the Bruce Lee lesson and that's all you can do in life. And if you sit back and you go, it ain't fair. If you, white people have had a big advantage. Uh, now, if you're white, I don't know what you do about it. You probably best thing is just run with it. Mother nature gives you an unfair advantage, run with it. I just got, to, I was just in London with The Rock and I was on the new set of the, I was on a new Fast and Furious set with The Rock. Charlie Theron set it up for me and Charity. She has a charity. And I got to talk to Rock and Jason Statham was there. Jason Statham goes, Ty, I watch all your videos. Book of the day. But uh, The Rock is a huge dude. And his unfair advantage, very few men are born with the genetic freak genes that The Rock has. And The Rock's father, speaking of genetics, is one of the strongest guys. You, if you ever see his father, I forget what his father's name is. His father's this before bodybuilder. Yeah, but the grandfather was also, so it's an unfair advantage that The Rock gets. What do we do? Do we make The Rock pay reparations to if you're born skinny? Like this whole world is just ruthless and nature's ruthless. So my best advice to you, instead of dwelling on the past and waiting for people to be fair, ain't nobody gonna be fair. And the more government tries to make things fair, it's just going to backfire. It's going to be like housing projects. <laughs> They're going to, well, housing projects are going to fix it for Puerto Rican people. No, it made it way worse. Giving money, it's like when you win the lottery, the average lottery winner in three years is broke. So you can't just give people money. You can sometimes in a tight spot, but if the permanent solution is a check every month, that's ruined minority culture. It has. And I'm saying that from my a family in Harlem and stuff like this. It, it ain't the solution. The solution at the end of the day is realizing you better become street smart. You better get out of an artificial bubble. The solution is not just for people now, you know. People go, oh, if we can send all the ghetto kids to college, it's going to solve. That's not going to solve it either. College ain't solving it. Not, it did in the 50s, but... We're not in the 50s. What you should do now is teach people to do stuff. You don't need formal degrees as much anymore, unless you're gonna be a medical doctor. I mean, Alex got a PhD and started his MBA. And how much of your MBA do you use? You got a Stanford MBA. Berkeley, sorry. <laughs> yeah, nothing. <laughs> it's like useless. He, he dropped out of it. It's just. So, once again, we're giving like minorities college scholarships. What do you do? You know what happens with that? First of all, Harvard accepts the kids who are already smart. And then says, see, Harvard made them. Uh, causation, correlation. Call it Harvard 
the easiest way to claim, or any Ivy League school, let's not pick on Harvard, to claim that you are awesome and cause people success is just take the cream of the genetic crop. Yeah. That'd be like me going, I'm going to create a basketball university. <laughs> and I just go and only six, nine, 15 year olds who are really good at JV basketball get to come to me. Then I don't teach them anything. I just go, go play basketball. And they become LeBron James and Tracy McGrady and Shaq. And I go, see how my basketball skills, my training and my coaching, that's Ivy League schools, my ass. Causation, correlation, oh my God. And the fact that people, this is a, talk about things that people don't understand, causation, correlation, right? And I can prove, by the way, Ivy League school is a non-causative factor because the kids who drop out of Ivy League school do exactly the same as the ones who stay in the end. It's not better. Yeah, Bill Gates dropped out. Balmer stayed. Bill Gates worth 80. Balmer's 42. They both did great. But maybe it had something to do with the fact that Bill Gates' father was one of the top lawyers in America. Genetics. He, he got more computing power. IQ. And uh, I'm not sure the Balmer story, but I know... Balmer is one of the top math students in the United States. But it's not the math that made them wealthy. No, it's just a pure. The math is the byproduct of having high IQ. That's exactly right. But both of them developed street smarts. Bill Gates has become a street smart guy. Jeff Bezos, street smart guy. Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of Harvard. Street smart. So it's that combination of Bruce Lee, the mother side, has the formal education, and the dad has the street smarts. That's why I say the better thing than going to college, develop your street smarts by shadowing a mentor who's doing it and then read a crap load of books. The books give you the pure intellectual stuff. I can talk on intellectual level, even though I've never went to college with anybody. I never, I know some of the most intellectual people in the world. I'm never like, oh, I can't keep up on this conversation because I read a book a day. In fact, I can out conversate them. Not really a word, but. You can. <laughs> what a great way to show off. Yeah, no, no, because language is not about whether I use conversate or a more proper grammar term. Language is about communication, and communication is about does the other side understand what you're saying? People fix Yeah. <laughs> Zach's witticisms. Folks, these are the jokes. <laughs> what did they do on the Johnny Carson jokes? Just ah. The little drums hit or whatever when I oh, like the little rim shot. Okay, the, that's the rim shot. What is that? Not rim shot. Oh, rim, rim shot. Rim shot. Okay. Uh, yeah, man, that's the best. That's why all you. So if you're naturally intellectual, marry a street smart person. If you're naturally street smart, marry a formal smart genetic line. Then you get these kids that are just like bam. You get Bruce Lee's. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Ah, Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. 
What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.